Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain of Anguess. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode number 101. I'm Paul Spain. I'm Dave Baxter. And I'm Bill Bennett. Welcome along, guys. Good to, uh, good to have you here. Hi, Paul. Thank you. Dave, uh, this is your first time as a, as a special guest on, uh, on the NZ Tech Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It is. Thanks. This is my first uh, like kind of talk about tech stuff. Good. It's all new. What do you usually talk about? Well, I, I mean, I usually have to just talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> all good. Oh, well, we, uh, we might squeeze that in. Now, for, for those who, uh, who don't know the, the name uh, Dave Baxter, uh, they may well know you as Avalanche City, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Avalanche City is like my band project thing and, and I wrote a song called Love 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 one time and, and everybody now knows me as the Love 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 guy, I think. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Could be a mo- movie about that. There's oh, yeah. all, all sorts of angles on this, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, tonight it's all about the tech stuff, so um, we'll, we'll jump in. Uh, now, lots, uh, lots kind of going on in the in the tech world as there always is. Uh, first up this week, um, Apple released their new iMac. Now you're a bit of a Mac user, aren't you, Dave? I am. Yeah. What do you think? There's this new the new iMac. It's uh, it's nice, slim sides and so on. Uh, does that uh, what what stands out for you in terms of you know what do you need when you're using a Mac? Is it well, about speed? Or does it need to be portable because you're taking it on the on on the road to do your recording? The thing about that one, I've actually I've actually looked at that one, and the thing that really gets me about that is every every time Apple release something new, they take something away that's actually really good. Like that for this one, I think they took away the FireWire 800 port, and they did they did they leave the CD drive in or did they take it that the take that uh, away? the CD DVD drivers gone exactly Never to see be seen it's again. so annoying. <laughs> and and I also read that it's impossible to upgrade the um, Upgrade RAM without uh, taking it back to the factory. No, really. So in the tw- yeah, and the, the, there's two models. There's a 21.5 uh, inch model, and and that one is you know according to the the guys that uh, repair and and maintain these things, they're saying look, this is just a nightmare. Yep. They give it, a, I think, a three out of ten for its its sort oh, of wow. repairability and 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 so on. Uh, the 27 inch model, which isn't available yet, they're going to be available in the next two to three weeks. Uh, that actually has a nice uh, uh, piece that you can, you know, take off and upgrade the RAM. Uh, but oh, okay. but uh, for the lower, the lower end, the lower cost models, there's no such option. So yeah, that's a bit of a shame. I mean, it's the usual sort of thing. You know, there, there's always going to be a new yeah. iMac, a new phone, whatever coming through uh, this time around. The usual thing about speed uh, is there. It's it's a faster machine. One of the things that Apple have done in these uh, these new machines and and with some of the new iMacs. Uh, is they've got what they're calling the the fusion drive, and we've heard this term, uh, we've heard the, the hybrid drive term before from um, from other vendors. In fact, I think uh, Microsoft introduced that concept probably back with Windows uh, Windows Vista maybe six years ago. Certainly, quite a way back. Uh, this is a little a little bit different, but basically, it's a combination of a, a an SSD or a flash drive and and a hard drive. Uh, so you sort of get the benefits of, of both, the hard drive giving you large amount of storage, the SSD drive giving you that really fast speed, so quick boot ups and, uh, and so on, which I think is, is definitely a good addition. But the bit that's interesting about that is it decides what to put on which part of the drive, which is just brilliant. I mean, I've got my Windows PC set up with an SSD and a hard drive for data, 
and it's a bit of a pain in the arse knowing which bit you know should go where and so on. Um, this, you know, the fact that it does that for you intelligently, it just takes a bit more of the pain out of computing. Yeah, it does. I mean, we did see that with the uh, with the hybrid drives that that you can you know just buy for a standard machine. The difference with those is I think they've tr- traditionally got only a four uh, four gigs worth of the you know the sort of SSD yeah. or, or flash storage in them. Whereas uh, with with Apple's drive, you're talking 128. Uh, gigs of, oh, of wow. fast flash storage, ex- and then okay. say you know say a terabyte of normal storage, which is what oh, you that's want. Good, and yeah. I think that's a really good approach. That's a really useful yeah. approach. So I hope we'll see this from other vendors come across other machines. I mean, uh, and and we are seeing it to some degree. I know, uh, for instance, Lenovo's uh, current sort of ThinkPad. I think it's the T uh, the T four thirty model. You can buy in a similar type of configuration. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't think it handles it. You know, does yeah. that intelligent sort of handling of it? Uh, the HP Spectre XT that I'm using is just pure flash storage, so this has got 256 gigs. Uh, mm. You know, w- w- which is which is a good way to to go as well. I don't have to think about any sort of slow storage; it's all fast. Uh, but having that sort of balance where um, where it handles it for you, you get the best of both worlds is uh, is great. Yeah, that is a good idea. Um, so. Dave, in terms of what do you use at the moment for uh, for your recording work? Well, um, I actually have a Mac Mini for in my studio. It's one of the older ones, and um, I'm totally going to need to upgrade uh, for the next album. But um, I was I was thinking about um, about an iMac, but the CD drive, man, it just you 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 just need that you need it to to like burn CDs or burn DVDs for people. And if if it's a recording studio, then you need to like burn something to give to the to like mastering or or anything like that you know yeah and i think that i mean that as we see things disappear out of products to sort of suit i guess a mainstream audience you know reduced size lower manufacturing costs etc uh you know we'll keep seeing this sort of stuff happen but there's usually a workaround and you know in this case you can buy you know just a separate drive to hook in 100 you know i think it's 120 dollars so you know it's not necessarily as you know as, as annoying, although if you're someone that uses it regularly, the, the hassle of having something external is genuine and the fact that you know, a lot of times you know, we want to plug lots of things in and it's just another port that gets used stuff as well, well, right? And Intel's doing something just as annoying. Apparently the latest motherboards don't have sockets or the motherboards that are about to be released don't have sockets. So you have to buy your, you have to buy your processor and it's not upgradable and you know, a lot of the a lot of the reason why you have a desktop is so that you can upgrade things. Now it's all soldered directly to the board. Yeah, and I think that I mean that's the nature of where where things are going. Yeah. You buy something, and then when it's not quite what you want, you don't upgrade it. You just throw Try it out, it. put yeah. it on Trade Me, and and you get the next one. And <laughs> you know, it's probably you know, I mean, Apple have probably been a champion of that in 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 many ways over the you know over Big the years. Time. And certainly, you know, we look at the iPhone; it's like that. And I remember going back to the the early Macs, and I know you used to use one uh, back in the eighties too, Bill. Yeah. And you know, Apple, you know, had a really beautifully designed, you know, computer, uh, but you know, it was more challenging to get into than any of the other ones. I remember uh, it was a Mac opener, I think you yeah, could special buy. Tool, yeah. uh, it was a special tool for getting into <laughs> yeah, your Mac, and, and yes. with that, you could get in and upgrade it's your your memory. So uh, <laughs> you know, they're very, very smart at controlling these things. <laughs> and, and, I mean, they're certainly not the only ones. I think you know. Most of the vendors have done it over yeah. the years. These days, things tend to be a lot more, you know, open to upgrading. And, and certainly on the Mac side, you know, we've still got the Mac Pro, which is as you know, super upgradable. 
uh, you know, very flexible. But the downside is the machine is you know two to two and a half years old now, and so it's not really current with the rest of the no, you no. know the rest of the models. And we, we're sort of hanging out for supposedly a new model in uh, in, in 2013. So and it's still a ridiculous price. Very very <laughs> pricey compared to everything else in the market. It's true. So uh, and and it is strange that that Apple have left it so long, but it, but have you know really suggested that they will be bringing a new one out next year. I just uh, think that's a it's a it's a tiny part of their market share. You know, like is the is the towers. Like, well, it, well, it is, and the large majority of, of uh, Apple's profits come from selling the iPhone and the iPad. Yeah, uh, and and now really the uh, you know what what we're seeing from the iMac is it's actually a pretty powerful machine. Mm. You know, quad core CPU, uh, you know, lots of uh, RAM and disk and so on. So yeah, pretty powerful overall, and, and for most sort of production and music and graphics type uh, requirements, then uh, you know an, an iMac is actually is actually pretty capable. Yeah. Uh, so jumping into uh, to other topics now, we uh, we did mention uh, previously around the uh, Samsung Galaxy Note and uh, Note Two, which is uh, we've been waiting to uh, to come out in New Zealand. Of course, there was the sort of Australia slash New Zealand launch that that took place in Sydney uh, a couple of weeks or so back. Uh, tonight, actually, uh, uh, or this week, we've got uh, the New Zealand availability uh, announcement. Um, now, you guys had a little bit of a play around with the Note 2. Dave, this was your sort of first chance to play with it. Yeah. As an iPhone um, 4 or 4S user, what's, uh, what's your your impression on the uh, on the Note 2? Well, the Note 2 is actually, I really like it. I mean, the 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 color on it isn't actually as, as great as I was kind of hoping. Um, but the size of it is, is great. I mean, I, I do a lot of my like day-to-day stuff on on my iphone just because you're saying before that it's always there you know you're sitting down so you, you want to look at a web page so you look at it on your iphone but the iphone screen is just like it's actually unusably small sometimes like for for web pages so this is actually like a a great in between a tablet and a and a phone but um when i was pretending to use it as a phone before i did feel like i was holding up an ipad to my face I did feel a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, but it, it is pretty big. But I mean, I think you kind of get you kind of get used to uh, you get used to it. And there seem to be a bunch of people yeah. that have uh, that are you know jumping on board with it. I think we were mentioning last week; it's up to over five million sold now. You know, internationally ahead of the New Zealand launch, it's been available I think in the US now for about two months. And, and it seems that there's just about every size combination you can imagine, um, from the small screens on the smaller smartphones right up to the sort of mega. Um, displays just about every possible combination of screen diam- uh, diagonal widths measured in inches is now catered for, and that's just one of those sizes. That's true. This this actually does fit comfortably in my pocket. Yeah. But my wife was saying before we looked at a, at, a, at the just a normal Samsung, whatever it is, Galaxy S three today, and um, she'd never use it because it would never fit in a girl's pocket. Yeah, a lot of a lot of girls are using, um, you know, use are using the Galaxy S three. Right, it's not just oh, really? popular with guys. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's, the funny thing about that Samsung is it's about the size of those very first, I don't know, probably fifteen years ago, portable computers, things like Pocket and so on. Do you remember those models? They were about that size, but they had a keyboard on them and a tiny screen, and it's a about that size you yeah the old pocket PCs yeah, were, yeah. were actually pretty pretty large yeah, weren't they? Yeah. not much battery life you, yeah, know, you yeah. didn't get sort of much for your money but in those days just having something 
a portable piece of technology to take with you was uh, you know was was pretty handy. But this one it, it would fit in a you know a jacket pocket perhaps, um, maybe not in a shirt pocket. Not in a shirt pocket, no. You no. could you could you could put it in your shirt pocket and let everyone else know you've got a yeah. Samsung phone. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely would. Well, I, I have the constant challenge because <laughs> I'm usually juggling a, a few you know phones in terms of reviewing and so on. And uh, yeah, the shirt I'm wearing today is not good when I want to carry you know an extra phone in each pocket uh, because the pockets are so small. They're uh, yeah, half the phone sort of sticking out. And with that one, I don't even know if it would uh, if it would fit in with the Note 2. But, so uh, it's like that sort of Mae West thing, isn't it? About, are you happy to see me? Or is that a Samsung in your pocket? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in other um, other phone news, something, uh, if size isn't if size does matter, um, there is a, uh, but you're, you're wanting something a little bit, uh, a little bit on the, the more shrunk side. Uh, at iPhone 5 size, new uh, Windows phone, we've got the HTC... Uh, Windows Phone 8s. Now we were expect we had the announcement. We had a little bit of a play with this. And we mentioned it previously uh, that that was coming out. I think uh, end of this week from uh, from Telecom. Uh, but there was a little surprise uh, communication I received from Vodafone on Friday, and uh, and they've actually launched it ahead of uh, ahead of Telecom, and they're doing it at ten percent less. So a pretty nice little smartphone, four four inch screen. Uh, not the same definition as the iPhone. Uh, this is the same as some of the the you know, last generation of, of Windows smartphones. Uh, but the uh, the HTC Windows Phone 8s, four hundred and forty nine dollars from uh, from Vodafone with uh, four gigs of storage and micro SD, so you can drop in another you know thirty two gigs if you mm-hmm. want to, which costs next to nothing. So it looks like HTC is making a bid for the bargain area of the smartphone market. well they seem to be sort of playing across across the board at the high end sort of down to that that lower end uh, but it, it does seem to vary in each market what the uh, what the telco carriers are bringing in because we just heard in the last uh, last two or three days that in the US where uh, the 8s had gone through sort of certification and so on to come into the market that no one had actually picked it up. They were picking up the higher end yeah. 8x from HTC. So, uh, whereas here in New Zealand at the moment we've got the 8s, uh, we're, we're hearing that the 8x, which is their high end one, uh, will be coming into the market soon too. Uh, but you know, n- nothing confirmed about who, who and who and when exactly on that one. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's good good to see a good variety, and this you know keeps the market uh, keeps the market competitive, and it's really good value for a absolutely latest generation smartphone. A dual core one gigahertz processor, five megapixel camera. Yeah, not top end, but you know, good good for you know everyday you know out shots and, and on a on a uh, you know daytime. Those that sort of lower cost camera or lower end camera, not really so useful for uh, for, for night shots. It's a, it's well, a fleet camera. Oh, sorry, it's a fleet phone for probably small to medium business. I would imagine. Yeah, I think in that sort of situation it'll, it'll work well. And and you know, someone wanting to buy a smartphone that doesn't have uh, yeah, thousand dollars to spend, or doesn't want to commit to a um, you know eighty dollar um, a, m- a month type you know type plan. Like someone wants to go on one of those uh, you know prepay plans that you can pick up or you can you know subscribe to for say you know nineteen dollars a month. That's uh, probably a, probably quite a good fit. It's Corolla, Corolla of the phone business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, now another bit of of news that, uh, that that we sort of heard about over the weekend was what was going on with uh, with Syria there and their internet being uh, being cut for a number of days now word is this is all back online and there's you know I guess 
as, you know, as we would expect, all the pointers are pointing at the government sort of, you know, cutting off the internet and 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 mobile services and so on to uh, uh, to stop some of the uprising that's uh, that, that that's going on there. It seems like this is just becoming a common thing, particularly around you know in the, in the Middle East, mm. uh, you know, with, with uh, um, the various challenges to uh, to government that have been going mm. on recently. Is there going to be any way to stop this, or is this just going to become become the norm now? Whenever uh, a government's sort of concerned about, uh, you know, I think you know, your government's in trouble if they turn the phones off. You yeah, know, so. yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there are probably plenty of other signs of that. Yeah, in, in <laughs> probably over the over the la- you know last yeah. few months, there's enough people you know uh, dying yeah. and fighting for their lives. It's. Uh, um, yeah, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs. I don't really. I don't know whether cutting off the internet will actually do a huge amount. I mean, the, these people like are although we are talking about in in Syria, like typically like in Afghanistan and stuff like that, they they, they typically communicate word like you know mouth like to ears and stuff like that. You know, just face to face kind of thing. But yeah, we rely we're relying more and more on technology, and you know, in some parts of the world that you know they they're bringing in mobile communications ahead of there being landlines. You know, yeah, places you know parts yeah. of parts of you know China. Well, I, I, and, I think there's something else going on with so this though, and that is, is it could also be about the message getting out to the rest of the world, and that's what they don't want. So if you're gonna if you're gonna do something you know truly evil as a government, like maybe a massacre or something, that's true. You'd switch everything off first before you turn off the lights. Yeah, there. yeah. Do it in the dark before you do it. Oh, yeah. So that's I mean, actually I'd, a really flip side to it. Eh? Yeah. 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 It's it's That's it's brutal. pretty it's a pretty horrid thought really but yeah you know, the reality is it's so easy now to take a to take an image and to up upload it to yeah. to Twitter or to yeah. Facebook or to take some footage and to to put it on on YouTube or you know even put it up live so by cutting those things off it makes that sort of thing much harder of course there's yeah, always ways right. around it with satellite phones and and uh, and the like but that's not going to be accessible in the same way that you know we're now seeing non-smartphones you know will probably disappear over the next five years everybody if they've got a phone it's going to be a smartphone of of some sort you're going to be able to take that content and push Mm. it online so uh yeah i mean in in some ways this is something we'd we'd like to see a lot more of uh unless you know the un or someone can crack down on it which which it's probably impossible to to be honest though those those kind of countries don't really listen a lot to the un anyway Uh, that's that's true um and also what what they're what they're doing is a a lot of the protests and and all those kind of things like the big the big movements all do coordinate through facebook and through through social media so that what they're doing is i guess going let's have two days of no protests and see what we can do that's a, yeah. and, and it that's tends a to come when, when there is a real uprising going yeah. on. So my question is: Is there some other technology that could come in at a you know at a low cost that you know maybe there's some sort of peer to peer communication or, or or people setting up their own connection points to the internet that You're will like buy, buy, now buy something. something that would maybe bypass mm-hmm. the uh, you know the government's uh, you know stranglehold on internet connections into the country. Yeah, so it's, mm. it's called Wi Fi. Yeah, well, I guess that you know that that can be a part of the picture. Yeah. Maybe you know that sort of thing tied into satellite connections and I mean, and, 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 we, and the and like. The, well, we can lose sight of this in New Zealand because we're so far from anyone else. But um, but you know, wireless doesn't stop at the border. So um, country like Syria would have there would be quite a long stretch of the country around the border 
which is within reach of towers and, and, and so on. So it's not that's true. I guess yeah, and when yeah. you're in those certain places, but it, there'll, there'll be other places where you're nowhere near yeah. something else. So you know, I think as we see the the continual. Uh, you know, increased accessibility to to satellite type internet, and there are obviously fixed satellite internet connections that are yeah. you know that are broadly available. You know, you know, farmers use them. You know, and and they're often used in rural circumstances here in New Zealand. The same in US and Australia and various other markets. So, you know, as those things become more commonplace, you know, into the mix as well. I guess uh, that that will bypass yeah. uh, and and limit the uh, the stranglehold that the government can put on things. And people can still take pictures on their cameras, their phone cameras, and load them up later on anyway. So, yeah, yeah, that's true. But it, it, yeah, yeah, that's true. So yeah, I guess there's really is those two sides of it, sort of stopping getting word out internationally, as as well as sort of uh, stopping the communications am- amongst um, you know mm-hmm. th- those who are who are really wanting to stir things up. All right, now, uh, Microsoft with their uh, Surface. Now, we've talked about this uh, on, on the podcast before. The, the initial Microsoft Surface tablet that came out, the Surface for Windows RT, still not available in New Zealand. Microsoft New Zealand, uh, you know, as seems to be the way with all these uh, multinationals now, uh, you know, Apple's regional branches have similar sort of thing. They, they don't have visibility on what's going on and when it's going to be available from what, what we can tell. Uh, so we're we're waiting, uh, but amid that we've had the announcement for the Surface Pro tablet, which is a much more powerful device that runs full blown Windows 8. It's got an Intel Core i5 processor, uh, and and looks like the sort of device that could be uh, a replacement for uh, you know for for laptops and 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 PCs for people because it's it's pretty grunty uh, uh, you know grunty piece of hardware. Uh, and the price starts at eight nine nine for um, for one of those with eight nine nine US yeah good point with uh, sixty four gigs worth of storage or nine 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 US with one hundred and twenty eight gigs worth of storage which is is not a terrible increase in, in price for an extra sixty four gigs worth of um, mm. SSD storage it's about the price of an ultrabook yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's without the uh, uh, without one of their their uh, keyboards, so you've got to then pick pick a keyboard. Okay, and, I'm going uh, to drop tell you something on. now. The keyboard will be given away as part of the deal, perhaps after six months. You know, six months in, you'll you'll get a keyboard when you buy one as part of the part of the price. Maybe not for the first six months. They keep I'll, that as a premium thing, and then you think yeah, they'll uh, they'll I'll, just drop it in there. I'll have a bet yeah. with you about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we can uh, discuss the terms after after we finished recording on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, it's interesting to see that pricing coming through. It's uh, you know, as you say, it's sort of uh, the price that we see for you know ultra books uh, today. Most of the, I mean, the, obviously there's a difference in terms of size. It's got a ten point six inch screen. It's designed to be a pretty portable device. It's coming in uh, under a, under a kilo, so you know, nine hundred and something yeah. grams. Uh, which is pretty impressive for the sort of power that you'd be lugging around with that. Uh, yeah. um, so I'm really interested to, to see this and to try it out and just, uh, just see you know how it fits. I like the surface that, that's out today, uh, but the, obviously there are some, some limitations of that, and it's always a trade-off. How much power do you want versus how portable, small, and light do you want the device to be? This is the post-PC PC. PC. <laughs> And the interesting thing that I've noticed, though, is there's been a lot of whinging about the price. I've noticed that online, too, um, particularly overseas, people complaining about the um, the price. I don't think it's that high. 
No, I, th- I mean, I think there's there's a segment that uh, wants everything to do with Microsoft to be at a lower price than whatever yeah. whatever Apple are doing, and it depends whether you compare it with a with a MacBook Air, which is in some ways a, a, a relevant consideration, or whether you compare it with a iPad, which is also a relevant consideration. I mean, the Surface is a device that sort of sits, you know, sits between these two. It'll do what a tablet, a traditional touch tablet will do, yeah. but it will also run, you know, Photoshop, you know, audio recording software. You can, you know, it is a very powerful system. You can run a, a large high definition, uh, you know, screen on it as, as well. Um, so, yeah, th- those comparisons are fair, but I think they had to price accordingly based on what it would cost and, you know, somewhere they've got to, you know, they can't sell it below cost well they could they could do anything they like i suppose uh but while they've still while they've still got the uh you know the the hps and samsung's who are selling uh windows uh you know they they they've got to be a little bit cautious about stepping yeah. on too many toes i imagine yeah i think we should look for stories with um, corporations buying large numbers of them to see if that's actually happening because that's what we were expecting um you know those tablets to go into corporations yeah, I, I mean, I think they're also of interest to just people that that want want something to use that's uh, um, that that's really portable, and that's what I like about the Surface RT is it is a really portable device that'll that'll uh, you know do all the fun stuff, but but let you do some work and so on if you want to as well. So, all right, so uh, so Surface 8 uh, RT now that comes out in January. We're thinking probably second half of uh, January in the US, uh, and and maybe this will be available in New Zealand. Uh, not sure yet. Um, I'm in the middle of writing a, uh, a review actually on the Surface for RT that's going to be in, uh, in next month's PC World. If anyone uh, uh, wants to find out a little bit more about that from a from a local uh, a local perspective, uh, I'll be doing a bit of a write up and, and getting a little bit more in depth with uh, uh, with some of those uh, some of those features. Uh, now, Bill, you've written uh, you've written an interesting uh, post up on on your site uh, about a. Um, a small and insignificant uh, announcement that happened over the last few days. <laughs> Fill us in on that. What are your oh, What are your thoughts? You You uh, went into a fair bit of detail on yeah. on your blog at uh, BillBennett.co.nz, but uh, give, give us a sort of a, a mini wrap on that. Okay. The the guts of it is this: the Commerce Commission's ruled on how much Chorus can charge for ISPs to get access to the Copper Network. Right. So to get it to get an ADSL connection at home or. Yep. Um, and or, or any of that is, sort of stuff. Yeah, they've yep. cut the price that they've cut the price that ISPs have to pay to Chorus. I mean, what, it, you have to we have to keep in perspective that Chorus only wholesales to ISPs. I mean, it's not the price that the consumer pays; it's the price that the um, ISP pays to get onto the network via Chorus. Um, and it's been cut. It's been cut. Well, it hasn't been cut. There's a it's a proposal. It's a proposed price, um, and it's. It's caused much gnashing of teeth at both ends because Chorus thinks it's way too much and they're saying it's going to cost them $160 million and it ruins their business model. And there's been quite a drop in their share price too. Yeah, a oh, 14% drop in the share price, which I don't think, I don't think anyone um, anticipated it would be that, that major. Um, whereas the ISPs are saying, well, it's not really quite enough, but yeah, we'll take this one, thank you very much, because... They, and, and the issue here is is really about whether or not the government needs to subsidise fibre, or or perhaps help fibre by making copper more expensive. And that's the argument that's going on at the moment. The argument being that copper is actually such a good deal 
that people won't want to upgrade to fibre unless um, either fibre is subsidised or the copper is priced artificially high. Um, and it's, it's, it's a debate no one can win because we don't get fibre to most of the suburbs for another four or five years. Some of us, it'll be seven or eight years even. Um, and so in the meantime, we'll be paying over the odds for the old network, which, you know, I'd say it's, 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 it's really something neither side can really win. There's going to be tears before bedtime on this one. Um, but the thing that bothers me and the thing that's quite, you know, upsetting people that I wrote on my on my site is this, is that if the government intervenes to reprice copper because they feel that that's interfering with fibre's chances of taking off, are they then going to intervene later on to make mobile broadband more expensive? Because the evidence in the rest of the world is, is that where people have a choice between mobile broadband and fibre, they're buying mobile, not fibre, or at least significantly more people are buying fibre, oh, sorry, buying Wireless, wireless connections, internet connections, yeah. Than was was ex, was previously expected, and sufficient and significantly fewer people are buying fibre than. Yeah, it's quite interesting to see, isn't it? The, I mean, yeah. there seems to be a, there's a chasm between the cost of mobile broadband. Like, you know, if you get a, a at the moment, you get a you know a three G connection, you think I'm going to use this for for at home to watch my videos and do everything on. I mean, you know, you for for a reasonable amount of money, you're only going to get. You know, say five five gigs worth of data. Whereas we're now yeah. seeing that you know fixed line connections, be it ADSL or uh, you know or, or a fibre connection. You know, some of them are offering unlimited, but you know, quite typically in the one hundred yeah. uh, you know plus gigs uh, worth of data. Which is there's a huge difference. Do you think that side of it's going to going to come together, and we're going to see no no because the, the, thing, the cost the come is, down for wireless? No, I, I don't think so because I think the, the issue here is is that. Um, Five gigs is a lot when you've got a screen that's, you know, a few inches big. Yeah, on a smartphone. Yeah, on but a it's, smartphone, not, it's not so yeah. useful for, for watching video no, streaming no, on your TV and no, so on, is it? No, it's not, but that, that you can get that by other means. You can get that data over an ASDL thing, you know, quite happily. And you're quite right. If you're going to be watching a lot of high-resolution uh, video, then you're going to want fibre to the home. But that's but like I say, that's not what's happening in Japan. That's not what's happening in certain other countries where fiber networks are going in. People are turning their backs because the thing that people the, the things that the people in power haven't quite got their heads around yet is people are turning their backs on television. Um, young people today just do not watch television in the same. I'll second that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In the same, I mean, my my kids might watch three or four hours of television a week. Um, I personally might watch six or seven hours of television a week i know people who watch six or seven hours of television a day you know but they tend to be older and they tend to be the kind of people that won't be using fiber and that anyway so there's actually a there's actually a a mismatch there and my fear has always been with the ufb network is that we might be building a network for people that people don't actually want and it's got little to do with whether it's 20 bucks more than the copper network. Or yeah, I, I think over time that's not going to be too much of an issue. I think people are going to use more and more data. Oh, and, yeah. I think and, you know, even people that don't use much you know, yeah. data today uh, you know, will soon end, end up in a space where, where oh, it's relevant. Yeah. You know, we'll see Sky TV and these other things. Even if you don't watch a lot, we'll see all of those things delivered over but, you know, over internet connections right uh, you know you're completely right but i but what i think is i think the demand isn't there today and it's probably not going to be there for a little longer than the those in power thought and like i said when people do want 
when people do want connectivity now, they want wireless. It's it's just it's just what's happening. It's actually what people are voting. You know, when they vote with their own wallets, that's what they're buying. So there's you know there's a it's it's as I say, this whole thing is going to end in tears one way or the other. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating space to watch. I think and, and it's, it's good that we're seeing competition and innovation, you know, as yeah. in, as in other areas. So the uh, the the wireless the wireless guys are, um, you know, obviously work, you know, they're going to keep competing, right? We're yeah. going to see faster and faster speeds. We don't have four G here in New Zealand yet, so our our mobile broadband speeds aren't super fast, but in some cases they're faster than than what you can get in your home. Uh, you know, with an ADSL connection, but obviously limit, limited in caps, and it's quite bursty as well when when it's used. So, mm. uh, so yeah, I think we'll, we'll certainly keep talking about this one and, and watching and, and and seeing how it pro- progresses. Uh, I mean, in the immediate, there's no immediate sort of impact on no. on prices for consumers or or, or businesses. No, yet. it's still it's, it's still a year out before anything happens. Anyway, there's a, there's another really weird aspect to this. That I just want to mention though, and that's this: the um, it's a national government, a right-wing government that wants to intervene in the market where most of the rhetoric from the government is about not intervening in markets. And it's kind of weird because you've got the Labour opposition is also it's almost making a noise sorry, it's almost making the noise about the um, government shouldn't be intervening in this market. So you've actually got the sort of the politics of um, broadband in New Zealand are a bit topsy-turvy. Yeah, I mean I guess, uh, you know, whatever that whatever that the ruling uh, you know party does the other party's probably going to going to yeah, poo poo yeah. it right yeah so, well look at Australia know, and the NBN you know, you know <laughs> there, there, there's a whole yeah. whole level of that and, yeah there uh, is yeah within the, the you know the the um, the NBN in Australia which is their equi- uh, you know equivalent uh, of the ultra fast broadband you know here it's uh, it's a political nightmare in Australia it's a train wreck yeah. <laughs> um, all right now moving on to uh, to other topics now. We, we, Quickflix have had um, had a fair bit of coverage over the over the past couple of weeks. Of course, we had Patty on the uh, podcast two weeks ago, uh, and then um, there, there was all of the stuff that sort of hit the news with a couple of their key uh, execs in Australia leaving, and uh, they've since uh, I think had to lay off about thirty percent of their work uh, their workforce. Uh, but in the meantime, they seem to be uh, working away with, with some of their uh, um, launching some new products. So we, we've just uh, just heard. Uh, com- confirmation on a couple of things that, that we had heard about f- from them uh, previously. So uh, the first of those is little, uh, a little uh, stick from uh, Dish TV, which basically it looks a little bit like a, uh, a USB stick, but on, uh, on one end it's got an HDMI connection. And what it, what it is is a stick that goes into your TV and gives you sort of smart TV type capabilities for a, for, for a standard TV. And one of the apps that... Uh, that it comes with is a QuickFlix app. So uh, for people that are wanting to stream content, and and you don't have any other you know way of uh, way of doing, it, you don't want to do it through your computer and so on. That will uh, that'll give you that capability. Uh, it's actually got Android on the um, uh, on the on the um, on the stick. So um, yeah, quite a, quite a cool proposition. I think it's one hundred and twenty nine dollars uh, locally here in New Zealand and available through uh, quite a few retailers and uh, um, and and online as well. So we'll be having a look at one of those over the next few days, and we'll we'll report back on uh, you know just just how how useful it is. Uh, you know, I can't imagine it's super powerful being being such a tiny little uh, <laughs> device, uh, and I think it's uh, probably USB powered as well to um, uh, to keep it running. So we'll we'll be having a look at uh, yeah what the practicalities are of, of that and where, and where it might be useful. 
How's it going to? Draw power from a TV. Uh, no. It, uh, well, a lot of TVs have a USB port on yep. them as well, so it may just be able to p- pull it from that. Uh, I think that's probably how it happens, but we'll uh, we'll have a look and, and, and try it out and uh, mm. and report back on that one. Uh, now, the other thing is is that they've also, uh, QuickFlix have announced uh, a... Um, a bit of a deal with uh, with Freeview here in New Zealand. Yeah. Now, have you seen anything on that one? Uh, on that one, Bill? Yeah, I saw the story on um, stuff.co.nz. Um, yeah, that looks quite interesting, and it's and it's it's a little bit back to what we were just talking about earlier with fibre and so on. That there are other ways of getting TV signals and content to your ha- you know to your home other than um, through the net. Um, Freeview is not going very well, I think, um, judging by what I mean. Is it not? Well, it's not much of a buzz around the thing, is there? Well, I think, I mean, Freeview, they've done, they've done pretty well in getting people off, uh, yeah. you know, traditional sort of analog, analog TV. And, you know, with some of the, um, the, the Freeview recorders and so on, uh, you know, you've got capabilities that is quite similar to the the MySky uh, HDI type box, uh, but obviously, you know, a lot of people just want to, or or, or you know, need to have access to some of the other uh, you know content that that Sky has. So you've sort of got those you know the, those yeah. two worlds to uh, I, I uh, just to get into. That I, I hadn't turned my Freemu box on for more than a year, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it. I mean, there are there are a lot of ways of getting access to Freeview, though. Yeah. I mean, most TVs now, you know, Freeview's just built in. If you're watching TV yeah. straight off your TV, then you're you're watching, uh, you know, you're watching Freeview. Uh, I've got a TiVo box at at home, one of the the um, sort of semi freebies yeah. that Telecom were were, were doing uh, that we mentioned on the podcast earlier on in the year, uh, and yeah, and I also can get it through uh, you know through media center computer. So there's a few different ways yeah. of of utilizing that and being able to record the bits and pieces that you want well, which is you know how channels, i would tend yeah. to watch it rather yeah. than rather than a whole lot of live tv yeah yeah i'd never i we never watch live tv but then we've got an old tv we, we, we so what, we what an, do you analog so what do you watch uh mostly stuff online like like the uh tv on demand or something like that you know okay movies yeah, yeah. stuff like that yep download fact, content yeah, and, yeah if we're if we're yeah. watching a movie we I like I, I don't we don't even put it on our tv the, the main reason being that we can't because <laughs> it's an analog TV but, I, but you know I'll just bring down my big studio computer monitor and yep. and we watch it on that and that's good <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. but I think there's a lot of that like pe- like people in at my age and, and in, um, in my generation tend to watch a lot of um, TV on laptops like like a lot of a lot of my friends wouldn't even be, be bothered putting it onto their TV yeah yeah I mean and, and I'm probably unusual for someone my of my generation that I'm probably more like that yeah yeah well it's going to be interesting to uh, to dive in and just and just have a look at exactly uh, you know how this is going to work with uh, with 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 quick flicks tying into um, uh, into freeview you know HD uh, and I mean that does use the internet there yeah. to um, um, to you know, to be hooked up, it's all it's all part of it. It's not just a, a straight uh, you know everything coming down over the over a free view um, uh, you know over the broad, broadcast type channels. So um, yeah, it's quite a unique uh, a unique offering as far as far as I'm aware. I haven't you know um, um, you know seen a seen a whole lot about this type of thing happening in other markets. So uh, it's, it's good to see. Although it might not get a lot of traction, it's so good to see something compete with Sky. 
Yeah, I mean, we need definitely need to need to keep that competition. Yep. Uh, you know, keep mm, that competition true. up. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think it is one of the frustrations for for a lot of people that we've got. Uh, yeah, this one player that has such a uh, you know a, a heavy uh, uh, you know stronghold on uh, uh, on entertainment yeah. in New Zealand. Uh, now the other one that that is is just hit is a well it's it's fifty percent owned by Sky, isn't it? The uh, the new option that's just come into the market, which is the uh, uh, the igloo prepaid uh, pay t- oh. TV uh, offering. Now that this one's sort of been coming for. Uh, you know, coming for some time. Oh, it's been talked about for a year or so now. It's one of those things coming real soon now. So Igloo have just uh, have just launched into the into the market. Uh, I think uh, yeah, the beginning of this week. Uh, so their offering is you buy their uh, their set top box, which is one hundred and ninety nine New Zealand dollars, and you get access to in general the bulk of the uh, the freeview type content that's a, that's available. Uh, with an aerial, and it's only available in areas, uh, from what I can tell, that uh, that can pick up you know the terrestrial uh, high definition freeview signal. Uh, so there's certainly some you know uh, there are a lot of parts of the the country that that won't get it. But if you're in a you know in a, yeah. in a major city uh, that that picks up um, freeview HD, then uh, then you're you're good to go. And there's a bunch of uh, channels like UK TV, Comedy Central, Food TV, Vibe, Kid Zone. Uh, BBC knowledge um, and so on that that basically will be available on on that prepay type basis and in, a, in addition to that uh, then you can get uh, you know pay-per-view type um, sport now one of the things that that I guess you know defines the the igloo offering uh, at the moment is um, you know, a, a it's it's uh, you know it's prepay, uh, but b the content is in is in uh, standard definition, which is something that we see with QuickFlix at the moment as well. Although you know what we're hearing is that's going to change from them. Uh, so uh, yeah, it definitely that helps sort of define it, I guess, as a lower end sort of product because we're starting to see you know Sky TV over time will end up with more uh, you know HD content, although the large majority of their content too is in standard definition at well the moment. I, I have to say i'm like dave i don't have a high definition television because i don't watch enough television to justify <laughs> exactly one. so so standard definition suits me fine and what, <laughs> what kind of prices are they are they saying about the igloo yeah. um okay so for um for igloo basically you've got uh an ongoing fee which i'm seeing here that it's uh $25 for Thirty days worth of um, yeah. worth worth of um, oh, yeah. worth of TV. That's actually yeah. pretty good. Yeah, like I'd, I'd actually probably consider paying that. Yeah, yeah, and um, I use it for sport. I think, but well, it, that's, that's on top though. Sports. Oh, so you've got pay per view for uh, for sports events. Yeah, I'd use pay per view for sport. Oh yeah, yeah. Fifteen dollars per um, per game per game. Ooh. Oh, go to the bloody game. For yeah, the- <laughs> you go to the pub. You go no. to the pub and then you get a beer, a couple of beers for that. A bit. No, I think Eden Park well, is, you know, $60, 70 to get in quite often. Oh, yeah. So, yes, I mean, there's definitely, I think there's going to be a bit of interesting debate, really, around around a glue and, yeah, who, who's going to use it. But the, I guess that, that prepaid nature of it sort of, Points to a different market than yeah. than the people that are traditional mm. uh, viewers of Sky that are quite happy to pay, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty, ninety, whatever it is, you know, dollars a month to have a subscription, 
you know, the, this is a is certainly a lower cost way of getting access to a little bit more than the free content we have today. Uh, now, they're also going to offer some um, some services, I guess, along the lines of what we're used to uh, with um, uh, with Quickflix, and uh, that there'll be you know pay per view type content. So they've got a range of movies that are available for streaming at six dollars ninety nine a uh, a piece in terms of very new you know new release type stuff that's uh, yeah floating around on on DVD and Blu Ray at the moment. Quickflix isn't the uh, isn't the um, Netflix like New Zealand Netflix version, is it? Yeah, is, yeah, is it's kind a, of the, the competitor. I remember I mean, looking yeah. at that like because because um, we uh, we spend a lot of time in America and and we use Netflix over there, right? Because it's great. But um, when we heard about QuickFlix, we, we checked it out because we thought it was going to be amazing. But the problem was, yeah. it was the, yeah, the content yeah. was just appalling. A small catalogue, yeah. And they're all from the 80s or something like that, the oh, movies. Yeah. So that catalogue, we're now seeing that is starting, is starting to grow. You know, there's a few hundred TV programs on there. Okay. There's, you know, there's a bunch of movies and so on. Um, but, I mean, even now when you look at, uh, when you look at, Netflix itself, you mm. can be disappointed because most of the new releases aren't on there. You, you know, yeah. you'll pay a premium for those on a pay per view basis generally. So, I mean, I think it's just good that we're seeing more more content options yeah. available in New Zealand. And you know, for me, you know, if the choice is being able to rent a movie that can stream straight down and pay six ninety nine for it, uh, as opposed to walk down and rent rent a definitely. rent a DVD. Uh, you know, as long as the quality's good and 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 it you know streams instantly and so on, then that that's the sort of thing that I mm. would I would definitely uh, you know consider. And I'd the, definitely the, use that the as problem well. I always had with DVD rentals, and I I must admit I I don't rent them anymore, uh, is that I would always probably forget to return them the next day, and oh. I'd get stung with two <laughs> days worth of fees. So your movie suddenly cost you you know six, sixteen. I had, 16 I had problems so. with uh, I had problems with um, skipping. With or freezing oh, on DVDs, yeah. I had one yeah, movie that I hired out years ago. Um, uh, we hired out The Lion King just for a laugh, and uh, <laughs> and Simba was just climbing up on uh, onto Pride Rock right at the very end, and then it stopped. No, no, no climax at the end of that movie, and and that's the issue actually I had with uh, with Blu-rays, and and sort of once or twice a year we will uh, we'll we'll look at and uh, and sort of review what's happening in in you know 3D TV or 3D projectors, and we've just been looking at Panasonic's. Uh, new AE8000, which is a stunning, absolutely awesome projector. Uh, but when, when when we were doing our review last year, uh, to do that, we needed to rent out some Blu-ray discs. Now, this time I solved the issue just by buying some, some 3D Blu-ray discs, but I rented some last year, and I got exactly that. I was most of the way through a movie. I was quite <laughs> enjoying it. And then as you got towards the end, it started, you know, yeah. there was must, the disc must have been damaged in some way. And yeah, I, I just hadn't had that for years, so it was a bizarre experience to uh, to come across. Though. Same thing happens with streaming. The same thing does happen with streaming. The very, very, very rarely, if you've got a good connection, especially if yeah. you've got UFB, or you've got a reliable yeah. connection. Then, I mean, I, I, yeah, it's, I think if you if you're using a, a good quality service. Uh, most the services now are pretty good. If you're screaming, streaming, um, screaming. Uh, if you're streaming YouTube, I think. I mean, YouTube's notorious for, uh, you know, for those sort of pauses and so on. Yeah. Particularly on on uh, you know some some of the ISPs. Like I know Telstra Clear have had issues, uh, but yeah, we, we often see that, that that those sort of delays. But if you're working through a good service, and I know, I mean, I predominantly use Netflix through the hoops you have to jump through to use it here in New Zealand oh, yes. and uh, and a pause uh, you know or 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 you know that um, those sort of issues are 
yeah, are very few and far between. The one thing that I'd like to know is is for those people who have surround sound, can you can you stream a movie with surround sound yet? You can, uh, but I think at the main, uh, but you, I'm not aware of any 3D movie uh, streaming that's available. Mm. Uh, but I think yeah, five five point one uh, is is okay. Uh, but uh, getting getting access to uh, to 3D, you know, isn't, isn't isn't generally the norm. Yeah. But I think over time these things, you know, these issues, you know, there won't be issues anymore. It'll just be the norm yeah. uh, that everything gets catered for. Uh, and yeah, bear in mind if you if you're wanting to watch things in you know, a nice high definition and so on, that is still that is still an issue with yeah. uh, you yeah. know with the service and and uh, and you know most of the other sort of uh, local options uh out there such, such such as quick flicks but it's certainly good to have some options mm. and you know as as we've heard those uh those limitations are likely to disappear um as, as things move ahead uh you know presuming uh quick, quick flicks manages to, to you know to address some of the, the you know the financial issues that they they have in in australia and uh, get you know get themselves on on track but uh you know my pick would be if they really run into difficulty that uh you know someone else is going to come along and uh and buy them or fund them or whatever. So you know, I, I don't think these sort of services are going to go away, uh, <laughs> and they're just going to gra- gain traction, just like Netflix has uh, in in the US and, and and some of the other markets where it, where it's been launched. All right. Well, uh, I think that really uh, that that covers most of our uh, our tech news. Now, um, Dave, we wanted to to chat to you a little bit around uh, how you've been using te- technology. Nice. Uh, you know, from from a musician's point of view with Avalanche City. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about your last album, how you recorded that, and and where uh, where te- technology sort of uh, you know came into into play. Yeah, well, I guess for Avalanche City, um, uh, a lot of it was um, was the whole social media thing because that, I mean that that plays a huge part in, in everything today, like breaking a, a band and everything. Um, so. Uh, uh, like in terms of technology, um, everything's just become so much more um, readily available, and just the quality is is so much better. I mean, the fact that like a guy can can go into a hall with just a, a couple of microphones and and a computer and and record an album and mix it himself without a studio. I mean, I mix which is it, what you did, right? Uh, yeah, this is what I did. Yeah, um, and and I mean, I did. I I mixed the. I didn't even have um, studio speakers or anything. I, I mixed it on my Sony stereo system that I've had since I was fifteen, and um, I still and, use and, it. Actually, and this album did pretty well, right? You ended up sort of top of the charts with. Oh, well, uh, it did with, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, so I think that's where we're at with technology. Is like you, is you can just kind of do whatever you want. You, like the, um, you you no longer have to have a hundred thousand dollar budget and go into a studio to to um record anything it's just like if you've got a computer and if you've got a mate with a microphone then then you can probably do it yourself <laughs> and that, that's and, pretty cool and but you're you're seeing this um you know because i guess that's been the case for a, a number of years i remember um a, another muso who i know um out of, out of the uk daniel beddingfield he he you know his his first single which which Ended up selling sort of you know I think the album sold you know millions sort of yeah. thing uh, you know he he'd done a similar thing just sort of re- recording on his own uh, uh, his his own stuff but now that's moving into the whole video realm as well right tell us a little bit about um, you know where where you know uh, the technology sort of merges into uh, the production of of music videos well um, actually like a, a great thing about music videos is I've I've actually never done a I mean I've done uh, four or five music videos now. 
but but not one of them has been on um on your standard big huge camera that, that you usually think about when you think about large scale things it, it was all done on canon 5ds or something like that yeah so on digital slr type type cameras yeah yeah, yeah. and um and that's the that's the beauty of it is it doesn't even look like you're shooting a music video anymore it just looks like you're taking photos um and uh the the latest one that i've done sunset which was actually sort of towards the beginning of the year um that was that was quite a unique one because i was over at the states at the time that we were talking about making the video um found a director um but by the time we found a director um and fleshed out a storyline and everything like that for the video i had to come back to new zealand so what we did is um is i found a director in new zealand to work with my director in the states and um and we hooked up a, a Skype link like a live Skype link yeah and um and in the in the shooting studio um the director in the states was standing by live watching the shoot and we'd fire him through the high res footage to to him and um and he'd look at it and tell us to adjust some lighting and then he'd fire that through to his animator who was standing by somewhere else in America yeah who was making sure the green screen would would, would key so we had the, this team of people all kind of online together I don't it must have been like 3 a.m. over there actually yeah, thinking yeah. about it now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't really thinking about <laughs> that were you <laughs> <laughs> um so that, that that's that's kind of where we're at now with technology is we have like um, all these people in different parts of the world working on a, on a project together in it and it, it doesn't it doesn't really hinder it at all in fact in some ways it speeds things up um, and I've got another mate um, Luke Thompson who's um, just doing a video with a UK director who he met um, online through a UK website called Radar Music something um, and, uh, and and is that sort of a, a crowdsourcing or or what sort of mechanism was that to uh, you know to to make that hookup? So that's a that's a website that just that just puts directors in contact with musicians. So yeah, as a musician, I'll I'll say I've got this track, I've got a thousand dollars budget, or I've got two thousand dollars budget. Um, this is the kind of video that I want. And he he had pictures from about five different directors. So as a as an artist, especially in New Zealand, it, for 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 me, if I was if I was going to um, if I was going to do a video, I'd I'd never I'd never really think about getting pictures from five different directors because there's probably only five different directors in New Zealand anyway that will do it for that cheap. <laughs> um, so it's it's kind of like a it's it's an amazing thing. It's just like pulling all these people together around the world and and his project's going great. And I mean he's never met the guy though. <laughs> yeah. So it, I mean it just change, shows how how technology is is making changes everywhere and it's also disrupting industries. And I guess yeah this is you know one one of the challenges for. Uh, especially in New Zealand where we've made up of lots of sort of small to medium businesses mm. is you know the nature of technology that's disrupting a lot of the, a lot of businesses and I think you know it's important that that uh, that you know business owners and 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 those you know across the country realize and understand wh- you know the two sides of what technology is doing because on one side it's creating lots of opportunities and those who think strategically about how to leverage technology for their for their business can sort of you know take advantage and and sort of you know ride the wave but but others will find that their uh, their business will go the way of Kodak uh, mm. where, where the technology uh, changes can can end up you know uh, crushing and, and destroying their business so it's um, yeah it's a it's a <laughs> It's a, it's a, a both a, the old double a, a good sword. and a, and a yeah. good and a bad time, uh, yeah, to uh, uh, to be involved with things to do with technology, I suppose. Yeah, 
for, for, for my perspective, it's an exciting time to be an artist. Possibly not an exciting time to be a, a record label or, uh, you know, in the industry. <laughs> yeah, but you, you get good support. What You're with a record label locally? Uh, I'm uh, actually signed to Australia, Warner, Warner in Australia, but, but worldwide. Um, but uh, as I mean, as a New Zealand artist, you, you need. You, I mean, if you're if you're an artist inside of New Zealand, you don't actually really need a, a record label at all. You can kind of do it all yourself. But if you're thinking about going overseas, then you kind of need some money behind you, which is where the label comes in. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, I'm I'm glad you've got them behind you. Um, all right. Well, well, I think that's us for uh, for this week on the uh, the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Thanks everyone for listening in. Uh, now, Dave, if they want to, uh, if people want to keep in touch and uh, or find a little bit more out about you, what's your website? Uh, website is avalanchecity.com, um, and uh, currently I'm actually about to release a free EP um, just as a little Christmas present for. Uh, cool, for I like Christmas presents. Yeah, it's it's not a Christmas album, but it's a, it is a <laughs> it is a Christmas present. Um, so that that's just because uh, I've had I've had a pretty good time in the last year. So this is my thank you to everyone who supported Avalanche City. It's a, it's a, it's not an Avalanche City EP, but it's a Dave Baxter EP. Okay. Um. Yeah. So. Cool. And where do we find you? Also, you're on, uh, you're on Twitter and 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 so on as well. Yeah. Yeah. So if you just go to avalanchecity.com, um, there's a link to Facebook and and Twitter, and I I, I usually keep them updated. Cool. Mm. Cool. Excellent. And Bill. Man around town. <laughs> you're you're easy to track down online too, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill Bennett NZ on Twitter and BillBennett.co.nz. That's two N's and two T's. My my um, parents just say that Bennett's like Guinness. Well, two N's and two S's. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the choke goes better in Ireland. <laughs> I bet it does. Um, now. Actually, your and your blog's been pretty active lately. There's been a lot of a lot of good content. So I, I mean, I encourage people to go there and, and just uh, and and yeah, either to, to follow you on Twitter or to uh, to have a little bit of a look at the blog because uh, yeah, yeah you, you're uh, you, you're good at sort of uh, diving into some of the controversial uh, uh, subjects and stirring things up a little bit, Bill. Yeah, yeah, it's it's still reporting though. But um, um, watch this space because something exciting could be happening there early in the new year. Good, good, yeah. excellent. Um, and, and as always, I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter, at Paul Spain, uh, and my main blog is, uh, is hosted at GeekZone, which is uh, techjungle.com. Uh, so uh, keep a watch there, and uh, yeah, a few other bits and pieces online, which you'll usually hear about via my uh, uh, Twitter feed. Uh, doing a few bits with uh, TV3 uh, lately, so uh, I'll be back on there again uh, in, a, in a couple of weeks with a little uh, uh, tech segment on their uh, on their Bricky show. Uh, but otherwise, you can uh, you can track uh, track NZ Tech Podcast online. Uh, you can track us down online uh, nztechpodcast.com. Uh, we're on Facebook as well, and and on Twitter. Uh, very easy to find in those places. So hey, thanks everyone for listening in. See ya.